I'm Miguel Munoz. And I'm Zach Cohen, and you're listening to The Top 3 Podcast, Season 2. Welcome back to the Top 3 Podcast. I'm Miguel, here with Zach. Today we will be discussing a Premier League recap, going on awards, biggest surprises, biggest letdowns, our favorite moments, and potential signings for next year, as well as our early top four predictions. Zach, who's our guest for today? Well, first of all, I just want to make it clear that it's the Premier League, not the Premier League. But moving on... he's British. British? Well, we got that one in pretty quickly, didn't we? Like, that, that might be a record. Fastest mention of it. Out of the way. Let's go. But after, thanks for chiming in, Jayang. Uh, please welcome our guest from the FPL Fortress podcast, uh, Jayang Jin. Uh, Jayang, do you want to just talk more about the FPL Fortress at the end of the episode? Sure. No worries. Yeah. Um, hello, everyone. Thank you, Zach and Miguel, for having me on. Again. Uh, yes, again. Yeah. And um, I'm here to recap the 2020-21 Premier League season. Yeah, a great season, as long as you're not a Spurs fan, or really an Arsenal fan, or if you're just not from North London, really. I'm sure if like you're from uh, East London, it was a lovely season, or Manchester. Zach, it's pronounced North. North. Okay. Well, on that high note, should we get into like who we think deserved the big awards? Player of the year, young player of the year, best signing, and best manager. Miguel, you want us to kick us off? Uh, sure. So for my awards for player, I have some repetitiveness for player of the year. I have Ruben Diaz and I have him for young player and best signing. I think Ruben Diaz had a really good year and I don't know about like about this actually happening, but I mean, I definitely think uh, you can make an argument for it being deserved for him. And I think uh, he's definitely had a great year and um, has shown that he should at least be in consideration for all three of these awards. And for best manager, I have uh, Pep. I mean, I don't have a ton of explanation behind this. I mean, Ruben Diaz completely transformed the city defense, even though like it was pretty good in the first hand. They were by far the best defense in the league. And he's only 23. He came from, uh, he came from Benfica, if I'm not mistaken. Right? That's right, yeah. On a massive deal. So it's not exactly a bargain, but... Fully deserved, although I don't think he deserved player of the year. And I feel weird about giving someone who's 23 and not an academy product young player of the year. Like he cost 60 million and was play and was already a is a starter for his country already. It's not exactly like he's a young blossomer. That's not why I had him for my young player of the year. Player of the year, I have an absolute shocker here. I'm going Harry Kane. Led the league in goals and assists on a Jose Mourinho team. So not exactly the best attacking presence. But he was just absolutely ridiculous. His passing, his shooting, his movement. He was also arguably our best defender at points. We were really bad this season, weren't we? But he was just one of the best seasons I've ever seen. Young player of the year, I'm going Mason Mount. At first, I didn't really like him because Southgate would always play him. And I thought Grealish deserved it started over him. But after I watched him more and more, I realized this guy's a quality, quality player. Chelsea Academy product. Been the best player on a team that's playing the Champions League final. Just a absolute baller. Best signing. Can't overthink this one. Ruben Diaz completely transformed City's defense. And for manager of the year, I got Moisey, David Moyes. Led West Ham. I had predicted West Ham to get relegated this season. Yikes. They're playing in Europe next season. Got to give them all the credit where it's due. Well done, well done, well done. And it's partly, and it's a lot of it's down to him and his management style. JJ? Yes. Interestingly enough, I have gone for the exact same picks for all four of the award categories. Um, I really don't think Kane needs a lot of explanation, although Bruno Fernandez certainly deserves a shout to be up there. No. Uh, both of them. Hmm? No. no. Bruno Fernandez does not deserve a shout. He does deserve to be up there. Both of them are, I mean, with, without them, their team, their respective teams would be nowhere. And I think Spurs I, would be worse without Kane, though, for sure. I mean, Spurs is just worse. Period. So your point is the disparity in quality between Kane and Spurs versus between Bruno. Yeah, and I think Kane should figure. leave Spurs. Just kidding. Please don't leave us, Kane. Please. I mean, I, I think we will get to that later, but I think it's looking more and more inevitable there. 
uh, Mr. Harry Kane looks to win some silverware abroad. Yeah, lead, um, lead Spurs to silverware. Oh, yes. Um, and then for my young player, I also have Mason Mount. And I think the point you brought up about it being like an ac- English Academy product is pretty interesting, although it might have been in jest, but I just uh, uh, did some research. And apparently, uh, let's see, nine out of the previous 12 winners are Englishmen. So it's definitely... Uh, more of an inclination to give out the... And one of them is Gareth, and at least one of them is Gareth Bale, who is Welsh. This is true. This is yeah. true. Um, so, yeah, and I think Mason Mount... Um, the, the other player who I would have considered uh, would be Phil Foden. And uh, there's no no argument against the fact that uh, he is a ridiculous baller. And, uh, you know, loads of expectations have been heaped onto him. But I think... He just hasn't played enough minutes for me, hasn't started enough games for me. I think he's maybe played or, or no, started in about 15 to 20 league games, something like that. And uh, I don't know, some, some in that range. And I just think uh, by comparison, Mount has played pretty much every minute of every league game under both Lampard and Tuchel. So uh, definitely it's uh, not just Southgate showing favoritism here because he's proven himself with uh, three different managers now and they all seem to love him and rightfully so because uh, you know, he's tireless workhorse and he, he's, he's got techers. He's got techers. And then for my best signing, I also have Ruben Diaz. Undoubtedly has, uh, you know, I think it's, it's quite remarkable because uh, what spurred the signing of Ruben Diaz was the 5-2 defeat against Leicester City uh, earlier in the season. And at that point, City were very, I believe they were in the bottom half of the table and uh, people were saying Pep was finished. Uh, but then he... You know, finally, the 300 million pounds after after 300 million pounds spent on yeah, so not exactly make it seem like he just made it work with a ragtag bunch of players. He got to buy the best players in the role. Still did a really good job. Like, don't get me wrong. Yes. He had the easiest job. If any if any team needed to do had the chance of doing it, it had to be City was their oil money budget. I would tend to agree with that. Um, and then. Honorable mentions for best signings. I would put Ollie Watkins up there. I think he's been phenomenal. He's played uh, every minute of every Premier League game bar like two minutes when he got sent off a couple of weeks near the end. Uh, I also think, honestly, Jesse Lingard deserves all the praise in the world for turning everything around. Uh, It was looking like his career was in the mud, but uh, do you have more to say about that? I mean, the thing was, like, I made fun of him a lot. He hadn't scored or assisted in, like, two seasons except for a 95th-minute goal on the last game of the season that didn't matter. Because he hasn't played. Yeah, his career looked over, and, like, he went from starting in World Cup semifinals to not even getting a game in for United, and it was, like, really sad. They sent him on loan to West Ham. I remember he was linked to Spurs. I didn't want him at all. He goes to West Ham. Starts banging him in. Got, like, nine goals in, like, 11 games or something ridiculous baller helped send them to European football. Got to give credit where it's due. And I'm just so happy for the, for him. Like he's just such a joy to watch. He's also like always very happy. He turned the Emirates into a dance floor, which I'm eternally grateful for. And he has, he's just such a happy, exciting player to watch. Oh, hundred percent. And it definitely, it, if, if you're a soccer fan at all, you should be happy that he's happy. And uh, yeah, this, this ties in, this all ties into uh, West Ham's success as a whole this season, which leads me to my best manager, in my opinion, which is also David Moyes, because... Oh, you had a lot of really uh, original opinions. Uh, I, I, you know, no. I, can, I can swear that uh, I did not look at Zach's picks before, uh, before this. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of people have, have put Moyes up there as one of the best manager of the seasons, and rightfully so, because... As you said, West Ham, in a lot of uh, preseason predictions, West Ham were tipped for uh, relegation because, uh, you know, the generally the atmosphere in the West Ham camp was kind of atrocious. Uh, but, you know, let, let, the man, let the man do his magic. And uh, lo and behold, they're playing in Europe for the first time in, what, 20 years, something like that? At least. It's their most ever points total in Premier League history. And, and it, they, re- they look like a really, really solid bunch of guys with a you know with a strong dressing room and yeah go far i mean speaking of west ham massive surprise this season what would you guys say are like some other big surprises this season um well i think i, de- I definitely have west ham and some of my uh big su- biggest surprise for teams a couple others are leeds i think they 
have surprised a lot of people. I mean, um, remind me how how far how far down were like they expected to be? I mean, they were expected to survive, even when it just got promoted. Yeah, but I'd say like probably come like around fifteenth, fourteenth. That's unfair. And then they they, definitely yeah they came ninth. Yeah, so I think I mean that's not like insane, but I feel like that's definitely exceeding expectations. So I I feel like that's been sort of a surprise. And I think Aston Villa has also done a pretty good job. I think they all have also similarly to the other two teams I mentioned, um, they've exceeded expectations. And I think they definitely surprised some people. I mean, yeah, how they've done Villa. I mean, Leeds just got promoted this summer with a squad that yes, dominated the championship, but didn't get massive investment over the summer. So it's not like this squad was just miles ahead of all the other squad. And then Marcelo Bielsa, gotta give credit where it's due. Had them made him one of the most enjoyable teams to watch. It's super exciting. Bielsa ball, a very fun team to watch this season. And they came ninth, which is a great finish for them. I also had Villa. They barely survived last season. Honestly, should have gotten relegated because there was a goal that was scored against them that somehow didn't count. And if that goal goes in, Villa go down. Villa somehow stay up. And they came, they came 11th, mid-table. A very respectable finish. Jack And they played a lot of their season without their best player, Jack Grealish, who, if they have, I could see them honestly challenging for the Conference League. I would that, agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. And so without their best player, had to rely on a very good backline of Matty Cash, uh, Tyrone Mings, Ezri Konsa, and Matt Target. Target? Is that Target? Did you just say Target? Is it Target? It is Target. You're you're gonna you're just gonna forget about Emmy Martinez. Yeah, but Emmy Martinez was probably the reason they did so well this season. However, Ollie Watkins didn't hurt at all. Oh yes. Yeah. And yeah, those another fairly big surprise is Newcastle coming twelfth. Like there's a point this season towards the end where I thought they were going to get relegated. I thought Fulham were going to beat them out, and Steve. Steve Bruce somehow led them to 12th in the Premier League, and I don't really know how that happened, but kudos. Can I can I just jump off of that real quick? Um, Go for it. Newcastle, well, so in briefly in my pod, we're an FP, my podcast is an FPL podcast, and we talk about uh, you know uh, some of the some of the teams to target uh, from an FPL perspective, and uh, one of those out. teams. I, hey. Hey, come on. Let, let me let me do my thing. All right. What's the podcast uh, called, Jayon? Uh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it uh for, for later just to keep the suspense. It's going. called FPL Fortress. You guys can check See, it out on Spotify or if, whatever. If 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 you did not disclose the name, then the the, the, the listeners would have been captivated to listen on further. I don't episode, think right? so. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh so yeah, we, we kind of pick out teams to target and uh or or rather target. Um Please and Newcastle Please was uh <laughs> Zach's face is yeah, all right, he's admiring it. Uh but Newcastle was one of the teams who really looked like they were on the ropes. And um in fact they they played Fulham on the last day of the season and uh back in I don't know, January, it was looking like that would be like a, a direct uh playoff for to see who would survive in the in the Premier League. But in April, I don't even know how Steve Bruce did it, but um they did not lose in April. Uh, Steve Bruce Joe won. Willock. Huh? That's because of Joe Willock. That is certainly a part of it. Uh, Bruce won the manager of the month, uh, which is kind of shocking because it's Bruce Ball. Like, come on. Um, and I, you know, I personally, I just don't think Newcastle are really that remarkable of a team. And I don't really think they're Premier League standard per se, besides. Uh, probably besides Callum Wilson and Alante Maximan, because those two stick out like a sore thumb in a good way uh, in comparison with the rest of the Newcastle team. And, uh, you know, I, I think you guys have, have mentioned all the, the biggest surprises of the season in a, in a positive way. Um, so I think I, I have one team who I think can be considered both as a surprise and as a letdown, uh, which is quite interesting. And uh, that team would be Brighton and Hove Albion um, because they came 17th. Well, if, <laughs> yes. Well, that might on the, on the face of it, they, that it, it might seem like a very big letdown. Uh, but if you look at the expected points 
uh, table, uh, according to the XG philosophy, I believe they finish about fifth sixth or fifth. Yeah. Something like that. Some crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah. If only they had like a actual number nine and Neil Mope does not count as a good finisher in today's Premier League. He's just a troll. He's a big, he's just a troll. I mean, it was so funny that game against Arsenal though. So like, I love him, but mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is part of it is Graham Potter is a good manager. Part of it Brilliant. is the he's creating he's having a team create chances that they can't put away and that has to go on him at least because so. no at least part of it is because you have to create chances that your team will be able to put away okay he doesn't have Kane up front he doesn't have a Guerra up front it's not like he has a finisher who's going to put the ball away he needs to create chances that his players can put away which he doesn't really do so maybe if he came to Spurs and was managing Kane they'd be much better but it's hard to say sounds like Chelsea to be honest Will Chelsea have Timo Werner up front? So, and you call him an adept finisher? He's not great, is he? No, he's not. No, he's not. And I can I, I say that as a Chelsea fan. And uh, I guess that segues into my honestly my biggest letdown of the season is Chelsea. And this is as a Chelsea fan because a team that came well, fourth, made the Champions League final and the FA Cup final. Um. Yeah, and a team who splashed out what in excess of two hundred fifty million in the, I, in the I don't summer know about two hundred fifty, but about two hundred probably two hundred something like that. Sorry. Um. Yeah, and by what was it January? Uh, Lampard was uh was uh, kind of on the ropes, and Chelsea were, I believe, ninth in the table, uh, which is definitely not where you'd expect them to be at that point in the season. Because before the season started, a lot of people were actually tipping them off to. To even win the title or at least challenge for it and uh you know thankfully mr thomas tuchel tt the man of the hour has has come in he's done a, a beautiful job he just a beautiful man really he's he's so charismatic in his interviews and he definitely knows what he's talking about he's a very astute tactician okay john and you need to stop hitting on him <laughs> i have no shame in it he is a remarkable remarkable man okay i mean <laughs> Just a note, we're recording this the Friday before the Champions League final, so we don't oh, know yes. who won it. Maybe if Chelsea win the Champions League final, it's going to be very hard to say they were a letdown this season. That's, this is true. This is true. But um, I see what you're saying. I completely get it. They spent so much money this year, and they should have done better than relying on Leicester to somehow lose on the last day of the season to just, get top four. just hasn't really gelled for us. Yeah, I mean, some of my biggest letdowns, I thought Leicester were a massive letdown. They were top four the whole season, go out last game. Or last few games. This happened season on, season off. They they have a good squad. Should they do they have the best squad? No. But they are something wrong with them mentally. Like they need to have get like a sports psychologist or something in to get them to get into a better mindset. Because there's I think there's something clearly wrong with their Brendan Rogers would be perfect at Spurs because of his bottling mentality, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know if I'd call them a letdown. It's kind of bittersweet. It goes both ways. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they lost top four, but they also won the FA Cup, you know? Yeah, but the Champions League is more important than winning the FA Cup these days, just from like a purely mm. financial perspective. This is true. Uh, also thought Sheffield United were a massive letdown. They were challenging for European football last season. They didn't. They were one of the worst teams in Premier League history this season. Just disappointing. They also spent like thirty million on Ryan Brewster, who couldn't score a goal. I feel kind of bad for the lad. Um, yeah, he was uh, a bit of an FPL meme. He was notorious for one pointers. Um, that's just playing for less than sixty minutes. Um, no, he would come. He would not start. He would uh, come on as a substitute for like twenty minutes. It was perpetual. Yeah, yeah. That's basically all the commentary I have about Sheffield United, honestly. And Arsenal, yeah. People were pipping them to go top four or come fifth this season. They're just really bad. And like it, at least as bad as Spurs are, at least we're better than Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, yeah. Yeah. Miguel, you have any other letdowns? Uh, yeah. I mean, just continuing on with your, um, you mentioning Sheffield, Sheffield United. I definitely think they were a huge letdown. I mean, I don't have a ton to add. I think you really covered it. In terms of why, but yeah, I also have them. Um, a couple other teams. I have the Spurs. Um, the Spurs. Spurs. I'm Thank sorry. You. Sorry, should... Spurs. Tottenham. Tottenham. Um, I think both of you kind of mentioned it a little bit when you were talking about Harry Kane earlier. 
Um, but they just haven't seemed to live up to their full potential. Um, and it seems like the offense has been lacking a little bit. Um, and I mean, uh, yeah. And then one more team is Wolves. Um, I feel like they definitely had the potential to do a lot better than they did. So, yeah, they're let down for me as well. Yeah, I mean, Wolves, I feel kind of bad because they lost their best player to a terrible head injury. So, like, I can't hold it too much against them. And Spurs, we were first for, like, a good, like, two months. And we barely made the European Conference League. You knew it wasn't going to last, okay, to be honest. Well, I don't want to cry. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can tell Miguel and JJ got a lot of joy from Spurs being absolutely atrocious this season. Oh, okay. Oh. Now, real quick, real quick. Yeah. I want to say a, a very genuine thank you to Gareth Bale for oh. living our season. But You would have made top four without him, technically, I think, because he only scored the third and the fourth. But Still, still. Yeah. Still. But anyways, don't... Something Jayong Love was um, Gareth Bale leading Chelsea to top four, which is not a sentence I thought I'd say before the season. But anyways, what are some other things you guys love this season? Who wants to kick us off? Jayong, would you want to go back to you? Sure, sure. I, you know, there there are other moments that I think uh, the two of you will cover. So I'm going to talk about the European Super League. Um, Now, obviously... This was this was a nasty surprise for the soccer world because seemingly out of nowhere, these uh, these elitist soccer club owners of the richest club clubs in European soccer, not even not even the best clubs, the richest ones and the and the ones with historically, uh, you know, the, the most prestige and the most money, uh, they they banded together and they wanted to break away from the traditional. Uh, traditional European uh, soccer hierarchy. And uh, it was scary. But then uh, the soccer community across the whole world showed its resilience. And uh, we took the social medias by storm. We took Twitter by storm. We took Instagram by storm. We said hashtag no to the European Super League. And lo and behold, within a few days, the Super League was disbanded, completely collapsed. Florentino Perez uh, is a bit of a snake. Andrea Agnelli Neck. is uh, argued. I mean, they're, they're both snakes. Perez is worse, honestly, based on like just based on the other things he's done, like not gives Adon a send off. I think they, he just handles a lot of things terribly. And that interview was hilarious, but it was also awful at the same time. I, I mean, I, I he's just a bit of a a bit a bit of a robber baron, if you know what I'm saying. Not everybody who listens to this podcast takes 10th grade at Hunter College High School U.S. history. I think it's, it's, it's a valuable comparison to make. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, that has to go down. I mean, it, it was just kind of beautiful in a way to see the, the, the soccer community uh, band together and uh, unite against this, uh, this thing that was going to tear us apart. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy. Obviously, it didn't work. Which also, I came on one of the, the FPL Fortress episodes to talk about it, so you nice. can listen to that if you want to. You're welcome for the shout out. But yeah, so that was your only favorite thing of the season. Well, no, I, I have other moments, but I don't want to. I don't want to take away well, from your moments. I do have other moments. My first one, gotta give it to Lamella's Rabona in a North London derby. The cheek to pull that off, unbelievable. I mean, I, I think he just didn't want to use his right foot. Oh, 100 percent. The fact that he does a Rabona in the North London derby. When his team is getting dominated, and he goes and bangs it bottom corner, a ridiculous moment. And if only if Spurs had won that game one 0 that would have been one of the greatest moments in North London derby history. But now it's just a footnote. But still a ridiculous goal. Second one, Jesse Lingard resurgence and get playing his way back into England. Love it. At, after all his struggles with like mental health and everything, like which he talked about, the fact that he's now in Eng- going to go almost definitely going to go to the Euros. Southgate loves him. And the fact that he was a key member for a team that made Europe is just unbelievably happy for him. And the joy he plays with, we mentioned it earlier, his J-Ling celebration. So great to be able to see it again. My final one is Kane having a historic season. Yes, Spurs were kind of not good. Man's led the league in goals and assists, which I think is the first time that's ever happened in Premier League history. Nah, uh, Joe Cole, 1993-94. Except for the first time that's ever happened in the last 26 years. 
So ridiculous. And he deserves it. The fact that some people aren't saying he deserves player of the year is blasphemous. And yeah, Miguel, what are your favorite moments? Uh, yeah, so I definitely agree with what you guys said. Um, I have three specific ones. They're tend to all, all be based around a lot of them are based around Liverpool, but that that is just a coincidence. Uh, one of them is Allison's winner against West Brom. I feel like that was crazy. Like how often you see a goalie score a goal, no less a game winner in an important in an important game like that. Uh, so I think that, that was definitely one of the highlights of the of this uh, season. Um, um, and then another one of my favorite moments was Marcelo Bielsa's tactics and coaching and being able to get get leads to ninth ninth place, although they were one of arguably one of the worst squads in terms of talent uh, in the Premier League, which is why I had them as one of my biggest surprises. Um, and then a third one is uh, Villa beating Liverpool 7-2. I feel like that was unexpected, right? Um, so um, I feel like a lot of people were like surprised by that, possibly excited. So I feel like that was another one of my favorite moments. Yeah, I mean – First of all, it was such a joy to finally watch Bielsa Ball, even though we had Poch and Guardiola before to him, who played similar styles. They both said they were based off of him. But the fact that first game, they lose 4-3 at the reigning champions, and you're like, oh, wow. Second game, they win 4-3. They had back-to-back seven-goal thrillers. That's just a ridiculous thing to see. They always left it all on the pitch. They, they ran by far the most. Didn't have the best squad, but they worked so hard, and they made every game so unbelievably enjoyable to watch. Allison's winner against West Brom, just a ridiculous moment to send his team to the top four. A game-winning header. I think I've read that's like the first time a goalie scored a header in the Premier League or something. I mean, goalkeepers are only six goalkeepers have ever scored in the Premier League. So, yes. And might I just add, what a bullet header it was. It, it was, was like a also a good header. It wasn't like... Unmarked wasn't... as well. Come on, you got to mark the goalie. Everybody knows that. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I guess goalies typically don't come up, so maybe uh, Big Sam's corner tactics weren't uh, weren't able to be used. Yeah, and the final one, and your final one, Villa seven, Liverpool two. This was before Liverpool lost Van Dyke. And this is when we realized, oh wow, and this was the same day as Spurs six, United one, an unbelievably oh, beautiful was. game. Wow, and it was then realized this season's not going to be a normal season, is it? Anything but. And it, that was right. But that performance, Jack Relish, Ollie Watkins hat trick, Ross Barkley, balling, a g- incredible performance, really. Looking forward to, ne- well, hopefully, well, not hopefully, hopefully for Liverpool fans' sake, next season will be a little more normal. Speaking of which, what are your top four predictions for next season? Uh, Miguel, you want to go? Uh, so my top four, I'll start with fourth place. I have Man United. Um I think they'll definitely do good uh, this next season. Obviously, we can't really predict these things. These are just um, educated guesses, uh, more like just guesses, not even educated. Um, third, I have uh, Leicester City. Um, they, they've they impressed me a little bit, so I think they're going to make another jump into the top three of the Premier League. Second, I have uh, Man City. I think that they have the potential to be first, and I bet many people will predict that they will be first, but I'm going to have them be second uh, sort of to mix things up and also just because I feel like they might be slightly overrated right now. Um, And first, I'm going to go with Chelsea. Um, Hopefully you're happy about that, Jayan. Come on, you blues. Um, Yeah, I think they'll do uh, really well next season, and I'm hoping they – uh, continue their success from this past season. Why do you want them to continue their success? I hope they do not continue their success. Oh, okay. I'm You're not trying jealous. to be biased. I'm just saying. I am jealous, John. I'm jealous that you guys have an oil money owner and we don't. So I guess you all want to hear mine, right? Of course. First, we got Sitte. They're such a good squad, and there's no reason they won't be as good next season. Second, at Liverpool. Was Van Dyke back? Gomez back? Matip back? And getting Konate as depth, who's a very, very good center back in his own right. They're going to be much better. And maybe Salah leaves, but maybe to get another top forward to replace him. And Klopp's a great manager. Third, I have Chelsea. Can Tuchel lead them 
to this high? Probably. They've, they've been quite, quite good under him. I just don't see them doing better than Liverpool or City. And fourth, I have United. This is all dependent on how much the Glazers are willing to invest. Do they invest a lot? Get them get a CDM, a center back, and Sancho. Do they not invest enough? Do they, Or do they let them get, say, Rafinha, a second-tier center back, and no CDM? And no, not CDM, no DM. This is just, it's very dependent on how much the Glazers are willing to invest and put into the team. And my hot take for next season is Villa, Aston Villa to come sixth place and make European and make the Europa League. It's a hot take I have for next season. You're not gonna back your own team there. We'll come fifth. Huh? Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. Or eighth, probably eighth. Uh, well, I'd love to back my own team here, but there really yeah. is no looking past the juggernaut that is Man City, and uh, generally. The atmosphere at Man City is honestly looking very, very good. Uh, no matter what, uh, I think people will walk away and say that, that City have had a successful season this year. And Pep Guardiola has uh, um, uh, come out and said that uh, he has no intention of leaving, uh, leaving City. And uh, Aww, you know, I wish he did. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, mean, I do like being able to watch him, but... Hmm. Uh, Sheikh Mansour has uh, given the club his, his full backing. Uh, don't you dare put another oil joke in here, Zach. Um, and yeah, I, I really, really think they would win the league. And especially if they get a certain Harry Kane. Not happening. If, I said if, even without. If Harry they get Kane, Harry I Kane, I will legitimately, like, I might have a mental breakdown. Okay. I, like, I'm okay. not even kidding. I hope you're fine. Um, Thanks, uh, Jayang. I'll, I'll, I'll be there for you if you if it happens. Yeah. Uh, and then second, I have Chelsea. I really think we should. I mean, we'll get to the signings later, but I think with uh, a proper number nine on, on his day. Uh, we look very, no, 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 we look pretty good. We create a lot of chances, but the only caveat here is that we need a thousand chance to score, chances to score one goal. And the third, I have, who do I have? I have, oh my goodness, I have Manchester United. I think um, no matter what, uh, they're going to get, you know, they are going to improve their squad over this summer. And uh, they have a, a very good striker in Cavani. And Bruno Fernandes is going to keep working his magic. Luke Shaw is going to hopefully maintain, I don't know, hopefully, but uh, hopefully for his sake, going to maintain his good form. Maguire is going to be back. Uh, yeah, and Man United are going to be mounting a, a pretty good push, I think. And then fourth, we have Liverpool. Um, I do think with the return of Van Dijk and Gomez, and hopefully Thiago can pick up his form and Jota can uh, stay fit. I think, uh, I mean, and Trent has looked really good in the tail end of the season. I think they will, you know, they will undoubtedly bounce back from the uh, the unfortunate circumstances that uh besieged them this year yeah i mean a lot of those takes are pretty reasonable i mean i think we just have the don't we have the same top four just in a different order yeah yeah i'm like i'm not going to argue too much with you i think i'm just a bit higher on liverpool than you are sure sure and that just forces no, everything can, can else down a little yeah but yeah we both mentioned that if chelsea get a top striker or if united get a good six or a center back they'll be a different team what are some other signs that you think need to happen this summer miguel um I don't think this. I don't really have a, like a specific one for this first one, but I think Manu really needs to get a center back. Uh, I don't know what you guys think in terms of specifically who they should get um, and how much money they should spend on uh, their center back, but I definitely think that's a priority for them. Uh, another one is uh, Villa getting Buendia. I think that will definitely improve their team, um, and I think that. I'm pretty sure he's like within their price range. So I think that's going to definitely be a, a boost for Villa. And third, uh, another pretty general one, but just uh, Arsenal getting a playmaker. I feel like I think someone mentioned this, that they were one of the more uh, disappointing teams this season. So playmaker is definitely necessary to try to combat that and uh, kind of uh, get a rebound, have a rebound year this upcoming uh, season. Yeah. I mean, those are fairly normal takes. Buendia is such a baller. Uh, 
it'll be I hear he's going to either Villa or Arsenal. So I guess it also strikes out the Arsenal getting a playmaker. And United getting a center back. Who could they get? Ramos, maybe? That would be I think he's leading one of Madrid. The stupidest signings ever. Okay. Just bro, get Rav- uh Rafa Varane. Instead. I think Varane's more likely to say Kunde. Kunde makes the most sense, probably. Jules Kunde from Seville. Sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the signings I think need to happen are Spurs need to get a top center back. <clears throat> Joaquin Anderson. <clears throat> Sorry, something back in my throat. West Ham, get a, West Ham get a reliable striker because they really have just Antonio. Someone like, I don't know, Tammy Abraham. He won't even have to move that far. Mm. And my last one is West Ham. Um, not West Ham. Man United need a six or a defensive midfielder. My main options are Wilfred and Didi, Declan Rice, or Dennis Zakaria. I think Zakaria is probably the most realistic of these. But I think that they, looking at the way they play, if especially if they want Pogba to be the eight next to him, they probably want Ndidi with him. Because Ndidi is just a very, very good six, isn't he? You're saying um, Zakaria is more, more of a box-to-box instead of a pure six? I think that, yeah, a little bit. Because also Declan Rice okay. isn't as... I don't think Declan Rice is as athletic, but he's a much better player of the ball than Ndidi. That's mainly why I sure, went with that. Sure, sure, No, I definitely see what you mean by that. I, you know, low-key. Uh, Lingard, Rice, plus some cash. Swap deal. Something like that. Other way around, maybe. I don't know. I don't Lingard, know right. plus cash for Rice. That's, yeah. yeah. I, don't th- I think Lingard's probably worth, like, what, 25, 30 mil? They're going to value Declan Rice at 70, 80 mil. You're going to need a lot of cash. Yeah, well... You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, for me, I think I think Chelsea, as as hinted at before, Chelsea really need. Wait, really? I didn't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think. Well, I I know that uh, Timo Werner has scored twenty six goals this season. Oh wait, fourteen of those were called offside. Actually, was... ridiculous talent. <sighs> Stop. Uh. Actually, a couple, couple of days ago on my YouTube recommended, uh, the algorithm decided to present me with a compilation of Timo Werner's, all of his goals in his last season at Leipzig. And it really, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that uh, it was Timo Werner's twin playing in the Bundesliga and uh, the other guy playing for Chelsea right now because they're completely two, two completely different players because at Leipzig, he was uh, strolling around with all the confidence in the world and he... Uh, was willing to take shots here and there, and he wasn't afraid to take players on and generally was very, very electric. And and, and in the Premier League, it's been a whole different story. And so either Werner has to just, he just has to come good. Uh, Otherwise it's going to be, you know, 50 million just down the drain. Uh, Or we could get Lukaku uh, with a return to Stanford Bridge. And, you know, maybe because... Uh, for some odd reason, Conte has decided to leave Inter Milan, and uh, I believe Lukaku and Conte have a very good bond. So maybe... also, Inter Milan need to raise a lot of money because oh, okay. they're in debt. So I think Lukaku after could go... winning the Scudetto, yeah, their um, owners like have a problem with they can't get the money out of China, or they um, just don't have the money. It's quite complicated. And I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about the issue, but I know Oof. that they. That's probably why Conte left because they want, need to sell like up to eighty million pound euros worth of players. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. So Lukaku is uh, an option and Erling Holland potentially. Um, that would be something. It would be. I would be so excited for that, genuinely. And on the topic of teams needing strikers, there are two more instances that I can think of. Uh, City with Kane would just be scary. Just shut up. <laughs> I don't like I, this. I, I think. For for you listeners out there, Zach looks like he's on the brink of tears. So I don't think I I'm am. gonna. Said, yeah, I don't my... think I'm gonna push the issue further. Than no, that. no, please do. I want to hear what you have to say. I don't think I will. Okay. Um, there, I mean, there's not much to say. Just just besides how Kane is a really really good player, and and Spurs are gonna be losing such a good. I'm kidding. Uh, and then Brighton, Brighton really need a, a good finisher, as Zach mentioned before. Um, if if Tony was there to. Hmm? If Brentford don't make the Premier League, Ivan Tony would be a great option. That would be very, very good. Yeah. Um, if Ivan Tony or someone else like that was there to be gobbling up the chances that Brighton are creating, they might actually finish somewhere close to their expected points for the season. 
And uh, I have to say, I really, really respect, respect Graham Potter and the way that he make, makes Brighton play. It's very free-flowing. It is easy on the eye. And they're, they're essentially a B-Tech Man City. Very B-Tech. They're like if Man City was, say, um, the Ritz-Carlton of, hotel, of teams, uh, Brighton are like the Holiday Inn. Get the job done. They don't get relegated. But come on, you're not exactly excited to. They're not exactly the best, are they? If also, sure. if you stay at a Holiday Inn, it's completely nice. Like I need to make make it clear. I'm not trying to blow any sponsorship opportunities here. But it's good no, it's Carlton, isn't? Is it? Good save. Do you think they'd be offended by that saying that's not as good as the Ritz? I mean, I just think it's a it's universally acknowledged. Truth. They try to be something different. <laughs> we'll go with that. They don't try to be as good. All right, man. Well, speaking of that, that's not even a. I asked a question there. Let's go into questions and hot takes and invite you to listeners. Perfect. But um, our first one is that VAR's got to go. No. I'll throw this one to you first, John. No. Okay. It's, it's not got to go. It's simply not got to go. It's. I've I've said this before, and I'll say it again. VAR is not the problem. It's the how it's, it's used. The, hmm? How it's used. Yeah, it, no, I mean, not, it's it's just the, the the actual human beings who are interpreting the VAR who uh, need to get their heads checked, kind of just just because it, it just really they, they're, they're you can see that the official is is kind of manipulating the lines whether they want to call a player offside or onside, and some some like the Suchek red card against Mitrovic and just some and and what the the Balbuena red card against uh, Chilwell and the I mean, there, there have been so many, so many dubious decisions. And I mean, VAR is really an objective uh, take on, on what's happening. And it's just providing a, a good frame of reference for, for the officials to look back on what happened so that the referees can make a better, uh, more educated, more accurate uh, decision on, on what happened. But uh, I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, the, it's the referees that need more, more training. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, the one thing I don't like about VAR, the main thing I don't like about VAR is if say someone hits like a clutch shot, like a game mm. winner, they yeah. can't celebrate immediately and that's annoying. However, the second it's gone, every single call that's missed, it will be so annoying because people will just be like, oh, VAR was here. Would have gotten that. I agree. Miguel? Yeah, I don't have anything to add. Okay. I just agree with you guys. What's our next hot take? Our next hot take is that Spurs, this grammar doesn't even make sense. Spurs will not win. How was that a hot take? <laughs> okay, you know what? Just say it. You gotta keep that in, bro. You gotta all the hot takes have been slander against the Spurs. Now this is like this is still okay. slander. This is okay. Slander. Whatever. Yeah. So exactly. How is it up? Whatever. Oh. Um. Our next hot take is that Spurs are not going to win the Europa Conference League. I actually agree with this. Can I explain why? I think that Spurs won't care about it enough. And I think they'll just play kids. I think a team like maybe Anderlecht, v, uh, VT's uh, Arnhem, or Ghent might, might win it, or Hib- uh, Hibernarian, one of those teams could win it because they'll honestly like, care more about it because it means more to them. And I just don't see Spurs like giving enough. Maybe Union Berlin or Ren win. I think those are teams that will actually like, care harder and like actually put out their first team. Because Spurs could legitimately play their kids every week and they'd still make it through the group stage with relative ease. I mean, if you if you were a player playing for Spurs, would you rather play in the Conference League or just not play in Europe at all? Uh, playing the co- well, I think it's good for Spurs because they can play the kids. Okay, but I think they'll play a lot of the kids and Harry Winks because he's about as good as the kids. Mm. <laughs> just, I, I like that one. I like that one. What do you think? I think, mm, not gonna lie, I haven't really given, given much this. thought. Yeah, but. They Spurs will go far. I don't know if they'll, like you said, care enough to win it, but you know that inherently they have they are bigger than most of the other clubs in the Conference League, and they will go far. They will go far. Yeah. Our next hot take isn't actually a hot take; it's a question: Is La Liga a better league than the Prem? This is mainly coming because Villarreal just be uh, united in the champion in the Europa League final. However, with that. Which team has both teams in the Champions League final? Which team is probably has had two teams in Champions League finals three uh, two of the last three years? Which league has the best teams in Europe? 
which league has the best managers? It's got to be the premise better at this point. La Liga used to be much better. But with Ronaldo leaving, Barcelona falling apart, Zidane leaving Real now, I just think the Prem is just a much better league. I would tend to agree with that. But I don't like how Villarreal beating Man United is the thing that kind of uh, catalyzed to catalyze this, this hot takes existence just because you really can't compare the quality of two 20 team leagues off the, off the back of one result that could have easily gone either way. And if De Gea had saved one of the penalties and he had scored his own, then we'd be having a very different conversation and nobody would even be mentioning the notion, the mere notion that uh, United, uh, sorry, that uh, La Liga is better than the Prem. So I just think it's, I mean, I no, I understand. It's it's fine that it's a little bit reactionary, and I get that that's that's the point of it. But uh, generally, the the Premier League, I would say, is definitely better than La Liga. Just and also from a financial standpoint, it's just bigger and better, and there's more money. Circulating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I read that Sheffield United, who came last, made more money this season than Inter, who won Serie A, which is no absolutely ridiculous. No way, no way, no way. No I think way. it's true, because no there's so no much way. more money in broadcast rights. Wow, okay. Yeah. Miguel, you were saying something? Yeah, before he interrupted me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, all I was going to say is I feel like it's not even a question that the Premier League is better than La Liga at this point. Um, yeah, they just have better teams at the top, and I feel like throughout – um, and yeah, Jayan, I completely agree with, with everything that you said. Um, and the reasons why they're just a better league overall, it's definitely because they have a lot more money and just are bigger. Um, and that the reason people are even questioning this in the first place is just based off one match. So I feel like it's not really, um, a full argument that you can make it. Yeah. Uh, and what's our next question, Miguel? Our next question was, is, was Lingard the most surprising player of the season? He's got to be. He was just ridiculous. How, like, his insane turnaround. He barely played the first half of the season. Second half of the season, for parts of it, he was borderline unplayable. Yeah, I think, I think Lingard, just in comparison to what his career was looking like before uh, the second half of the season, really, is too remarkable to not put as the most surprising player of the season. But if he wasn't there, then I think a lot of other players could make this list. You could say Patrick Bamford, proven everybody wrong, even though I personally don't rate him, but that's not something I'm going to go into. I don't like him. I think he's a lovely guy. I don't think he's a great player. He still misses way too many chances. Sometimes he can disappear for 90 minutes for the whole game, but I respect it. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan, I thought he was thought he was washed up apparently city fans wanted him out of the club before the season started but then he turned into r9's uh, i mean his positioning was just unreal he was just getting on the ends of really really easy tap-ins and uh he went on an insane purple patch uh um, in about the you know january 2021 yeah. yeah it was it was great to to watch just because you know he was it, it was pep pep ball Guardiola ball um and then finally kalechi and Acho. Really near the t- tail end of the season, he is caught on fire. He has taken the brunt of the goal scoring uh, from from Jamie Vardy in the Leicester squad. I don't know if it's a combination of Iheanacho just being really on form and Vardy just kind of not having the same confidence and the same, uh, yeah, the same confidence as as before. But uh, I think Iheanacho looks like a very good player, and I'm excited to see what he can do next season. Yeah, I mean, Inacho had a great end to the season. Uh, but and Gund- I thought the thing was Gundogan was already rated too highly. Like, we all knew he was, he was already starting for City week in, week out. It's not like he came out of nowhere, you know? He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was starting He was starting a good amount, though. It's not like he was barely playing. I mean, nobody's nailed in a pep team. That's also true. Pep roulette. Mm. But, yeah, our second, our penultimate hot take is that Ole in. Ole. I guess we can blend these two together. Our final hot takes are that Ole should stay in and United will win the league next year. Ha-ha. No. 
No. I also think Ole should be sacked and they should sign someone like Conte or Zidane who actually can win trophies. Like, if they actually, like, really care about it. So, I don't agree with either of these. Jayong? Well, well, Ole isn't isn't exactly isn't exactly renowned for his uh, tactical uh, innovation. His, I, I think, just he. The only reason that United have done quite well this year is because of Bruno Fernandez. I don't think it's down to Ole having good tactics. I don't think it's down to the team having a good mentality. I think it's down to Bruno Fernandez carrying them. So I, I'm not sure about Ole's credentials. His how how good of a good of a claim he has to, you know, continue being United's manager, and I would tend to agree with that. If they really want to win some silverware, they need to sign a uh, a manager who has proven that he can do the business. And uh, as for the second part, United to win the league next year, I don't think so. Simple as that. The city is too strong. Chelsea looking better in my opinion, and. Yeah. Miguel, you got anything to add? No, I mean, I agree. I, I mean, I disagree with both of these hot takes. I agree with, with what you guys have said. Um, yeah, I think United will be able to make somewhat of a run, but I don't think they're going to be able to compete for uh, winning the league next year. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really see it. But anything's possible. I don't know. Well, that was an incredibly committed answer. But yeah. thank you for listening. Miguel, um, not Miguel. Follow us on Instagram at the Top 3 Podcast. Jiang, is there a different podcast you want to promote? Yes. I am the co-founder and co-host of the FPL Fortress Podcast. As mentioned before, we are a fantasy Premier League podcast. And... Uh, Every week, we uh, recap the past weekend's action uh, through an FPL lens. Um, yeah, and if if you could, just link that in the description or somewhere. If I'll tag it on Instagram. Brilliant, brilliant, yes. And right. uh, if, if we're saying our goodbyes now, then thank you once again, Zach and Miguel, for having me on. Always a blast to come on here. Thank, thank you for joining us. Time. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Zach Cohen. I'm Miguel Munoz, and this is the Topic Podcast.